0: The University of Central Florida, Office of Diversity and Inclusion, brings you Matters of Diversity with Dr. B. With your host, Dr. S. Kent Butler. And our guest, Andrea Sneed. And now, Dr. B.
1: Hotep, and welcome to Matters of Diversity with Dr. B. It is really a great time of the month to be with you all today and to kind of share with you all some of the things that are just happening because of the fact that it's Pride Month. Today, I have a very special guest. This person has always been there for me, has always spoken her truth, has always given me the opportunity to kind of see her for who she is and I'm really excited to have an opportunity to talk with her today. Today's guest is, as you have already seen in our promo, is Andrea Sneed. And Andrea has been a professional and advocate of equity, diversity, and inclusion for over 20 years, and has probably served nine of those as a spirited and gifted facilitator. We'll talk a little bit about that because she is a gifted facilitator. She began her career facilitating and educating on EDI at the University of Central Florida's UCF Recreation and Wellness Center. And her role as a facilities and aquatics, 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 listen to me coordinator. During her time at the RSWC, she has had the opportunity to serve in different leadership roles, including outdoor adventure coordinator, sports club coordinator, inclusive recreation coordinator, And how many other coordinators do they have in this place? And most recently as assistant director of the sports club, inclusive recreation and risk management in each role, her transformational leadership style has infused with an EDI focus and understanding for her student centered teams. And that even today continues to permeate throughout the recreation center In her role. Andrea spearheaded the inclusion of gaming and adaptive clubs to broaden aspects of diversity within sports clubs, which includes the first collegiate wheelchair tennis team in Florida. So you see what we talk about when we talk about inclusive? That's how you include. You start to think outside the box. She serves as chair of the RWC's diversity committee, a member of the UCF Police Department's Chief Advisory Council, and is a team lead for the university's bias incident group on campus, the Just Nights nice Response Team. Andrea is a champion of EDI within her professional association, NIRSA, which is N-I-R-S-A, and currently serves as the board of directors and on the board of the directors. So this woman is doing it all, okay? She's not taking any time off, so you're going to want to hear her today, and was previously a vital team member for the Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion Commission, which created a diversity reference manual for association members, complete with educational tools and case studies. Her philosophy of meeting people where they are has been the driving force behind the feeling of, feeling participants leave with after attending sessions facilitated by Andrea. She is dynamic, engaging, and honest in dialogue while allowing space for individuals to utilize bravery in their truth. Andrea and her wife, Laura, are proud to have a loud household complete with three boys and three fur babies. Why do they call them fur babies? Jalen, Jordan, RJ, Tony, Nippy, and Jackson. We have to figure out which of those three are the boys and which are the fur babies. She holds two associate degrees, a bachelor's degree in business and a master's degree in interdisciplinary studies with focus on project management and social justice. This fall, Andrea will begin the adventure that is her doctoral degree in sociology. And when she is not reading, spending her free time watching sports and singing karaoke. So we're going to get her to sing today. How's that? Andrea, come on in. How are you? What's going on? That's a great bio by the way. How you doing?
0: Dr. B, how you doing?
1: I'm doing well. I'm just sitting here waiting for the tunes to start. What's your uh,
0: no, no no tunes, but I will say that that intro, little, little Shaft, little Shafty.
1: A little shafty, what a little
0: shaft? It was a little I heard a little shaft in there. It sounds a little oh okay. You come in, I see you with the you know, the dashiki, you know, <laughs> I'm getting shaft vibes. I'm getting
1: shaft <laughs> there vibes. you go, there you go. So can you tell me a little bit about what this karaoke is all about? Uh what what songs, what's your go-to? What's your go-to?
0: So I have different go-to songs, you know. You have to really feel out the environment when you're doing karaoke, right? Okay. So I've got several go to songs, but I would probably say my top two go to songs is one Killing Me Softly, but the, okay. the Fuji's rendition. The Fuji's
1: rendition.
0: Okay. Yeah, rendition. And then, because you know, you got to hit that Lauren one Hill. Note. Time, yeah, you got to hit the Lauren Hill note in there, too. So, and then I would say my other go to song, believe it or not, is uh, Wanted Dead or Alive by, by Bon Jovi. Why do you say believe it or not? Because a lot, of, a lot of folks wouldn't think I would belt that belt that song out or I would enjoy uh, singing that song. So fun fact, sing that song. Uh, what's the first
1: verse of that? How's it go?
0: Uh, you know, uh, Google it.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. You're going to play it? that
0: slick. What? You're not slick, Dr. B. No, 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 no. You don't have to
1: sing it. I just said, what's the first verse? I just want to remember, wanted dead or alive. I just want to remember. I, I know the song. I just want to make sure I know.
0: The, oh, it starts off. It's all the same. Only the names will change.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard More the
0: melody dead there. or alive. Right? Yeah, you, you slick. I, I, gonna...
1: I heard the melody in there. I did hear... a little bit.
0: It was look. It was hard. It was hard oh, to
1: actually. It was, it was melodic. It was good. It was good. It was good. <laughs> so here we are, smack dab in the middle of Pride Month, and uh, I have a good opportunity to talk with you. Can you kind of talk to me a little bit about what? probably what means to you and, and how um, individuals should come to meet this month?
0: Yeah, so it, it's interesting having been someone that came out at an older age. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I was in my late, late 20s when I came out officially and, you know, do the undercover thing and for, for a while and you realize, yeah, I'm not really living my truth. But as you come out at an older age, you're not really fully out until, in my opinion, until you're really out at work. And I can honestly say, I really wasn't even out at work until my until I got here to UCF. So mm-hmm. I think really Pride Month for me is, is it's really just a, a nostalgic feeling that I get uh, thinking about just how long that process was for me mm-hmm. and really celebrating the fact that not very many, um, there's still people out there, of course, who, who feel like they need to be in the closet, but really it's a time for me to, to celebrate the fact that there are, you know, kids and, and individuals that are able to to come out sooner and, and really able to live their truth.
1: Yeah, can you talk a little bit about the terminology of coming out? Why those? Why, why do you think those word choices were um were were kind of kind of given to this this um I guess metamorphosis this yeah. evolution.
0: You know, what's what's interesting, I I think about that often, Dr. B, and I I wonder that same exact thing, because it's not usually when you say coming out, it's all right, I'm out and I'm here and that's it. But that's not the case, right? Coming out is a constant process sometimes for for some people in in the community. So I always find it interesting to say, okay, yeah, I came out. Yeah, but you're constantly coming out sometimes over and over and over. And it's a little yeah, it, it. it gets a little exhausting sometimes but i i think of it more as a door that you keep having to walk through and you're just walking into different doors and you're coming out of different doors that's how i look at it now and you know you're when you walk into a house there's multiple doors in that house so you're coming out of you're coming out of this door okay now i have to go and walk out of that door and that's how sometimes i feel like the coming out process is sometimes so you know, as soon as you were, were reading my bio, I forgot that at the end I I, I list, okay, Andrea has a wife and Andrea has kids. And now you get the juices going in some people's heads of, oh, Andrea is gay. Oh, Andrea has a wife. Oh, Andrea has kids. Oh, Andrea has fur babies. Um, You know, so it's a constant process nice. sometimes. So literally just, just came out in front of everyone that, that will be watching this as well, you know? So yeah. it, it's a constant process.
1: I understand and thank you for sharing who you are. You've always been very open with me as to who you are. Uh, when you think about that, there are a lot of people who say that they they come out when they feel completely that they've come out when certain people in their life um, are exposed or understand or know. And then they, they can say that I can cut it off now. I don't feel like I'm constantly going through different doors anymore. I. The people who I wanted to know, um, who support me, and who love me, and, and or, or not, right? Those people are now, I can go on. I can be free now because those are the people who mattered. Is that also part of that equation?
0: I applaud. I applaud those people. I don't feel that way. And, and I think that's what makes this so great is not everyone is the same you know, and and not everyone's process is the same. So usually I I tend to talk to people when I do any kind of training or anything from an LGBTQ plus perspective, it's making sure that individuals who are in that room that are learning these things know that not everyone is the same. Know that not everyone's process is going to look the same. Mm -hmm. So you can't, there isn't a a cookie cutter response to that. That's why, you know, I tend to start with, well, how it is for me, how it is for me you know, how it is for my friend or this friend I know, you know, because not everyone has the same process. So for me, it isn't that way, but I do know people where as soon as they told those key individuals in their life, they didn't, they did really didn't care who knew.
1: They didn't turn, back, didn't turn back anymore at that point.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: So Pride Month has uh, a lot of activities that have gone on just this past weekend. Um, there was a an event. There are many events that kind of, kind of, help to, kind of, I guess, memorialize. I, I'm not saying the word wrong now, uh, but somehow to kind of make sure that um, people understood and remembered. I guess maybe that's the best word. Remembered the post tragedy of five years ago, and can you talk a little bit about how? you spent that time or 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 what was going on for you over the course of this weekend
0: yeah so um i did attend like i have every year the ucf remembrance Mm -hmm. attended the first one remember vividly um and and attended the one this past week and had the opportunity to to be a part of the ceremony of the names being being read Mm -hmm. uh, which you know I, I think i was good up until immediately the names were were read and and then that's when it all hit me um, and it hits hits at different times you know i remember exactly where i was what i was doing and and everything because pulse was was certainly a place that i frequented me and and uh, so, some many of my friends so uh, it's um so that's what I'll, I'll tend to do um, and reflect and, re- and remember. And it's mm-hmm. not just a one day thing for mm-hmm. me. It's a constant reminder usually mm-hmm. for for that. So that's what I spent. And then on the actual day, I was able to to spend spend time with, with friends on that day.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, don't, I don't know exactly. You, you spent time at Pulse when it was a thriving um, nightclub. Um, were there people that you were aware of who who, who died that day?
0: Um, so know of a, a couple.
1: And yeah, we don't have to stay there. I don't want to get you yeah, to that point, but I just wanted to know. Um, I want people to know that that's The the six degrees of separation, that's the thing that happens um, when these types of things happen, whether it is a school shooting or whether it's something that happened in a a gay nightclub, that people are affected by the things that have gone on. And so I don't want this to be a solemn show, so I I want to talk about a whole lot of different things, but I thank you for sharing that. And I think just that little tidbit right there lets people know what you just shared about there's so much that you don't know about people. And every day that you're learning more and more, and they're able to expose you to different things and hopefully the things that they're exposing you to help you to kind of think and reflect and recognize that maybe I need to look at things a little bit differently when it comes to people, whether they're black and brown or gay, transgender, or, you know, whatever. That I need to really, you know, take that into consideration when I go out and treat people who look or act or have different intersectionalities different than I would want myself being treated.
0: What, that, I, what I will share about about that time is, especially last week during the remembrance, mm-hmm. many people spoke about the outpouring and and the support that came from the city of Orlando.
1: Yeah,
0: and and I'll. I can attest to the outpouring of support around the world uh, and around the country because I actually went at the the time when that happened, um, my wife was living in San Francisco um, with her for her job, and I went out and visited her two weeks later uh, for her birthday. And um, so we were apart when it happened, but I had the opportunity to be with her two weeks later, and we happened to be in you know San Francisco where they I did not know this but they have many pride uh, parades during during Pride month and and I got the opportunity to be a part of one of those pride parades because I knew someone at San Francisco State who invited me and my wife to march along with them um just the the Orlando strong buttons that they all had I mean this is San Francisco. Yeah. You know, and the signs. And as I, I was walking, it was so emotional to see just the, the support and the care um, in, in the love. Right. And we walked down some some of the streets and, and one of the streets, I'll never forget, in front of this Bank of America. And it was just flooded with roses and notes and photos of, of, of the victims. And, and I'm standing here and I'm saying, this happened in my town. This happened at a place where I, I, I frequented, and now I'm in this whole different city on the other part of the country, and they're showing such such incredible love and, and support. So that it, I felt the arms of the city of San Francisco around me at that time, and it, it it's so interesting to to say that as I'm as I'm even saying, and I can see myself in those moments and yeah. at that time in, in San Francisco and I don't think I could have scripted that better. I mean my flight and everything was already booked well before this even happened and it right. couldn't have it couldn't have happened at, at a that trip couldn't have happened and at that any.
1: experience that whole experience is, is something that helped you to kind of even maybe heal some with regard
0: uh, not not necessarily heal but it it comforted me.
1: Comforted,
0: comforted me at that at that time, um, even though it, it was still just again this on, ongoing uh, grieving mm-hmm. process. But yeah. it's still it was what I needed at that time, and it was yeah. I'm glad that I, I was there.
1: So the outpouring that came from the community uh, is it still going? Did it stop? Do you know a pinpoint when it may have stopped, uh, or how do you see people? really responding to not just the Orlando tragedy but just gay people in in general um, have you know when I think about black lives matter I think you know one of the things that happened this past year is people woke up so to speak do you think that when it comes to um, the lgbtq plus community that people are waking up
0: So it's very difficult for me to talk about one part of my identity and not fold it into the other two parts of my identity, right? I identify as a Black gay woman, Mm -hmm. so it's very difficult for me to separate those from an intersectionality perspective, but I, having having a a three-time minoritized kind of identity, right, it's difficult for me to separate those sometimes, and I think some people like to ask me this question. and say, "Well, what do you think about the gay piece?" And it's tough for me to relate to that because I say, "Okay, maybe Come a gay in. white woman mm-hmm. is, is more accepted, but what about a gay trans woman,
1: mm-hmm. black
0: trans woman?" Right. So it it that's a different plight. It that individual who could be a gay black tra- uh, a black trans woman could have a completely different experience than a white gay man or a white gay woman, right? Because of the different minoritized uh, intersectionalities on top of that. So that's a very difficult question to answer because you you do have to go through and break it down break it to down. those levels.
1: Right, because privilege and marginalization and oppression all kind of fit into what that looks like. Thanks, I think that's really um, an honest response to That type of a question, because I think there are people who are hoping there are people who are praying that that change has happened and that people are are going to to move forward. And then you get some of the things that have happened over the past year that that tell you maybe we haven't moved along as far as we we thought we have. Right.
0: Right. I mean, and it's interesting. Again, you go back to Pulse. What's what's not talked about i feel enough is the fact that we this was latin night right it was latin night so you when you hear the names read it's tough not to think about that intersectionality piece as well so this wasn't just an attack on the gay community this was an attack on the hispanic gay community
1: yeah, I just had a guest, um, and uh, one of my former doc students, who spoke exactly to that, and that um, that is something that's forgotten, right? That we went immediately to the gay experience and not to the fact that this was hurting a community of individuals yeah. that was much larger, and and what was going on that evening at, at the Pulse um, nightclub. So, thank and you. the for-
0: fact that not even everyone there that is part of that. Beautiful 49 souls, were are even gay, right? So are we are we talking about all of that? You know, so it's that's a very difficult question to answer. And I applaud anyone who who wants to take a stab at that. But me as a black gay woman, mm. it is very difficult for me to say, yes, we we made strides. Yes, we have we made strides, yes, there's strides made. But when you break that down. Who who has benefited from the strides that have been made is 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 now where you you really need to take that the second part of that question.
1: Right, that's a phenomenal response. Thank you, I appreciate that, I really do. So let's let's turn let's turn the corner on this and and just talk about you and talk about um, some of the the great things that you've been doing over in the RSWC. Uh, there's uh, a lot. That you brought to the table, just being uh, given a job here at UCF, and can you talk about what that has been like? How have people responded? And and I mean, and I love the idea that you brought forth with the wheelchair um, challenge. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and how your presence on our campus has kind of supported sports from a different perspective, different worldview.
0: Yeah, so I think I, I can't talk about what I bring without talking about the fact that I've been given the opportunity to do these things, right? Because I can come in and say all day, "Hey, I want to do this, this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this."
1: Yeah.
0: And someone is going to be there to say, "Nope, you can't do this. Nope, you can't do this. Nope, you can't do this." And luckily, I've I've benefited from the fact that I've had supervisors that have not said, no, you can't do this, no, you can't do this, no, you can't do this. And what I see is, all right, make it happen. Or what I get is, well, how are you going to do this? Well, think about this, but go ahead. So I, I have to give a major shout out to every supervisor that I've had because they haven't, they haven't, I don't like to necessarily say they haven't held me back, but they have always supported the different things that either myself my students, uh, friends, an idea that I get from a yun- other university, and put our own spin on it. To, you know, go off and, and partner with other people within our university, within our division. So I, it, I don't, I don't think that I can take the credit for that. I think that while I may have this idea or this idea, and sometimes my ideas have been pretty radical. Um, I think I just look at it as wow. We talk about UCF being the university that has built itself off opportunity and we're innovative, well, it's me just pushing the envelope and saying, hey, how can we, how can we continue to, to push this? And I think that we've created a culture at the RWC where all of us want that kind of innovative approach to recreation and fitness. And we want people to feel comfortable coming here and we want people to enjoy themselves when they come here and not just this segment of, of, of the student population or this segment. We want all segments, we want all students to come to the RwC and and feel comfortable, so the way you do that is you provide different programs, you provide different opportunities for students, such as students in in wheelchairs who may want to compete at the highest levels, just like some of our students who are able bodied to compete, so why would we not make those opportunities, you know that's what I get like why not, why would we not do that.
1: Why do we not do that so. What 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 made you really want to put that into operation though? What what was happening in your life at that point in time when you said, you know what, we need to do this and, you know, what how did that all come about?
0: I so in 2014, I believe, I was put in charge of our adaptive recreation program and when we brought the IES program on, on campus was when we really transformed it into not just saying adaptive but also inclusive because now when you when you're using the word inclusive you can you can incorporate so many other different things like the esports and things like that right but when you say adaptive you're really only focused on one subgroup population of students and that students uh, that may have disabilities right so when you say inclusive, now you can encompass so many more people. So that was really the the first thing. And, and I knew that we could do so, so many different things. I mean, who who does not want to come to this university and be a part of this university? We're in Florida, we're in the central part of the state. I mean, we have Disney down the street, right? So the next thing is just really building on the programs that we had and thinking outside of the box of what are some of those programs that we can bring here that aren't happening in Florida. I'm an extremely competitive person. And while I love all my uh, colleagues around the state and their recreation departments, I want our department to be the best recreation department, not just in the state of Florida, not just in our region, but also in the country, right? Within our nurse association. So I think a lot of it is just driven from competition and not that I would, I don't share. And I think that that's, one thing that i do feel makes me a little bit more unique is while i want to be the best i also want to take whatever blueprint we have here and you know spread the love around because the more we are able to do more from an adaptive and inclusive perspective in our state or in our in our university that can spread to the city, that can spread to the state, and then that can spread to the country. So now what we're doing is we're not just providing opportunities just in Orlando, we're now providing opportunities all across the state for these, these, these kids that are coming up in these wheelchair programs. And once they get to the wheelchair program in youth, there's programs there, but then it stops. Where are the collegiate programs? There's, I believe, 11 programs around the country, around the country, Dr. B for yes. competitive athletics for uh, on a collegiate adaptive and in a wheelchair perspective and that's I think that's that's absurd to me honestly. So <laughs> why would there not be more universities that are that are doing this? So yeah
1: and, and, and people need to also participate and, and and support and recognize what that participation and support looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not in such a way where people are, you know, oh, good for you.
0: Yeah, oh, you're such an inspiration. Yeah, yeah. and, and I, yeah, I, I, Not only from that perspective.
1: Right, I've talked to so many people who have disabilities who are like, you know, that's like, you're placating me or you, you, you're you not necessarily seeing me as, I'm, I'm able. Yep. So, you know, you don't have to, to give me this, um, like I'm special. Because I have a disability and I'm doing this, see me for who I am and that I'm able to do this. And show
0: me I'm show me I'm special because I just beat this person in straight sets on the tennis court. You know what I mean? Tell me I'm special for that way. And right. I, I I get on my soapbox right. and
1: right. How you how you express yourself to an individual who who may in your eyes be seen as um, a person with a disability. And, exactly. and it really makes a difference. And they, they receive it differently too when you give it to them genuinely because you you, you say you, you did a great job. You're, you're an outstanding athlete. You did exactly. what you had to do um, and not, um, you did that and, uh, oh, look, isn't that nice that you did that and you have this disability? Yes. That's the problem.
0: And I think the way I Come, have, have been able to come at it and, and how we've been able to really spread the word here at the rec center is we, we, we look at it from a different approach of if we can get everyone who is would not be considered an adaptive athlete to get in the chair and participate in our 2v2 wheelchair basketball intramurals, participate in our sitting volleyball intramurals, participate in beat baseball and goalball and participate in all of these different adaptive and inclusive sports that we have unified sports, flag football and and basketball for that. If they participate, then maybe they'll feel a little bit differently and they'll feel kind of how we were talking about Dr. B. and, And so I don't know if very many programs in Campus Rec really think of it that way. But that's been really our philosophy and something that I know I have wanted to continue to drive if we can get our students on campus to watch what we have going on. And that's why I put it in our, we've got our four courts and then we've got our Mac Gym courts and our Mac Gym courts are kind of, you know, off to the side and it's a four walls, whereas our four courts in the middle of the rec center are open. So I, I want all of our adaptive and inclusive programming that's indoors to be on those open courts because you've got people walking by and that's yeah. strategic. It's strategic. We want it there. We want it to be out in the open because if people see people sitting on the ground and playing volleyball, you you get the, Hey, what's, what's this, what's going on? You know? And then when we have the Orlando magic wheels, who I literally just talked to them yesterday, we were just, we had a good conversation with, with some of them and they're going to be uh, starting back up here soon. And we have the orlando magic wheels coming in here and doing a clinic for our students when we have the orange county clash the wheelchair rugby team that's local come in here and show our students how to play wheelchair rugby and they get in and then you watch how some of them are standing up out of the chairs and some of them are not standing up out of the chairs it's just a really powerful moment where you now are really truly being inclusive you know and we've got wheel sport wheelchairs here for people to learn and and participate in our programming and it, it it took us time to build up to that point, but I feel as though we're we're here and and we want to continue that that programming.
1: Yeah, I sense your energy with that. I mean, yeah. it must be a, a part of the love that you have for sport that that even comes comes to be when you when you talk about it. You can see yeah. how, you, how you kind of kind of brighten up um, when you talk about that. Uh, Thank, you. Thank you. So UCF has been a, an interesting ride for you because you've you. Yeah different positions throughout the time that you've been here, um, you you were able to kind of evolve and and and, and get into certain other things. Um, and you've been here now, how many years now?
0: 11 years actually, mm-hmm. I took a, I, I call it my six month hiatus or eight month hiatus really where we moved to California for a little bit and then we had some family things go on and, and I moved back. But overall it's it's been 11 years, 11, okay. right. 11 good years Dr. B.
1: 11 good years yeah. eleven good years and so these 11 year good years are now turning into you getting your phd
0: never thought it would happen <laughs> i i never thought i'd get my master's degree but uh here we are right
1: yeah we are so i'm so proud of you um <laughs> Sociology. I, I maybe chose another field for you, but sociology. Okay, we go with that. What,
0: what would you have chosen? What would you have chosen for me, Doctor B?
1: Maybe counseling. Maybe something in sports. Really? Fitness. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, no. I'm glad you chose the role that you you. Role. I mean, I'm never going to step in anyone's way when it comes to them finding their pathway towards education. Um, but you have a. Um, an the opportunity
0: bias, opportunity doctorate right doctorate now, I have a very
1: strong opportunity right now to to get your doctorate. And uh, what sparked that? Um
0: uh, mm. so in in, in twenty sixteen was a terrible, terrible year uh, for me, and my family. Mm. Um in February, my niece passed away. From leukemia and then pulse happened four months later and then four months after that my brother passed away who was my my niece's dad mm-hmm. um at that time i was in the middle of uh, doing my master's degree
1: mm-hmm. and i was gonna quit school mm-hmm. uh, I,
0: I i didn't want to do it anymore just nothing nothing mattered and, and right i was just really in a in a dark way and I was just reminded of when my niece was going through remission at one point and she got a chance to go to school and it was almost like and it seems a little cliche, but her her face popped into my head at one point and the face was her when I asked her one day, how did how did school go when when she was in school and she she loved it. She loved school so i kind of said you know i i need to finish this degree right so i finished my masters degree and i didn't i didn't want to stop there you know no one else in my family has a, has their phd um and i and i wanted to keep going and it sounds again it, it sounds super cliche but i wanted to keep going for my niece and my brother and my and my My brother was very proud of me and he didn't you know go to college or anything like that but he always used to call me his his big little sister right because i was taller than my brother and he always called me his big little sister and i have a i still have a note that he wrote me here here in my office and i keep it with a picture of him and a picture of my niece in here and i it keeps me going it keeps me driving it keeps me knowing okay no you you need to keep going um don't don't settle it's kind of my way of, of saying don't settle for for less than what I know I can do, and um, I fell in love with research during all this time, and I just I don't like to get that out there. Nah. The, the assessment folks will start. You didn't hear that. The the assessment <laughs> folks will come after you really quick. Oh, you like research? <laughs> you're gonna
1: have to research in order to get that degree. You're gonna have to do some research. So, right,
0: they, and they're I, they're I really good. fell in love with it, and I couldn't run away from my love of diversity and inclusion anymore and, and i said you know i just i just need to go ahead and and, and do it and i want it more i didn't want to I, I don't want to end with just being you know the assistant director at the university of central florida i want i want more okay and i want to be able to impact more people and i think that the way to do that is to continue to strive to for that for that degree
1: yeah that's that's beautiful um it's a very unselfish approach to, um, you know, it's really funny. I mean, I don't have everything that you've gone through, but um, I, when I got my degree, I was the only one in my, my mother's side of the family and my father's side of the family to have a PhD. Yeah. And um, that's changed since. Um, I have a, a cousin who's older than mine than I am and just got her degree nice. uh, PhD, um, last year. And, um, and so, you send a you set a precedent right you also tell your family that you know this is obtainable this is something that you can do and the fact that there are so few persons of color who have this degree and um, you you send a message and so it's it's great that you had that motivation uh, thanks for sharing that I mean there's a lot coming from you with regards to your life um, and the things that you have let people in on, right? Um, Again, it goes back to what you said, coming out every single day. So people know that getting a PhD has meaning. This is not just so that I can be called doctor. There's a meaning behind why people pursue this degree. Uh, And it's not just for a title. It's really because what you can do with it to move yourself and elevate others to reach back and get other people to kind of follow in your footsteps so i appreciate that
0: i mean i know i told this you know great story but it also could be that i just want to be called dr dre i mean it could be so (laughs) Doctor
1: um Dre Doctor Dre, Dr. 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 the, Dr. the real,
0: real Doctor Dre, Dr., right? It's okay.
1: So, that's pretty cool. I mean, I'm Dr. B, so you know, you might everybody need your thing, right? My you know, my wife is Doctor S, so you can't have that one. You can't have that one.
0: <laughs> No, it'll be Doctor Dre. I, I think that's what it is i've already told i've already told my family that, that they're gonna have to call me dr dre and i'm just gonna walk around with my beats headphones on all day oh, wow. my, my, my
1: beats you know, have you ever met dr dre
0: no why That'd dr b what, really what cool. opportunity would i have had to, to meet oh, Dr. You know, you know, dre? i mean if he you know, wants you know, to offer me a recording you know, contract you know, it would be really
1: cool if you if you ever meet him and say you know i'm the real dr dre
0: I mean, I don't I, I'd be a little nervous to say that to <laughs> you, I, I do it after he offers me a recording contract. I, Ooh, I'll
1: come back to karaoke. I knew so it. Was, it
0: always comes back
1: to <laughs> karaoke. Again. What's that? What's that song again? What's that song? Uh, uh come on. Give me some Bon Jovi, Some Bon Jovi.
0: Uh, It's all the same. That's all I got. There That's it. That, uh-uh. Dr. V. Wait. Wait.
1: No, no, no! Not that
0: kind of it was jam.
1: it was. I mean, it was for me because I was listening. I tell you, it was, it was the melodic nature.
0: Just, put a little soul in
1: there. A little soul.
0: And, and, I, and I think that was—that's what's so so uh, funny about it. That I mean, you know, you got to put your own little little spin on it a little. Yeah. bit.
1: Too, so. you got some runs. You do you do little runs. Uh,
0: I'm not a, a runs person. I'm I've got a uh I think a, a big voice, so I don't do a lot of runs. You know, you can only really do those runs when you're singing like a boys to men song. It, it, oh, it's
1: better. At those okay, songs, all right, so. right, 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 You said you're getting better, though. Is that what you said? What? I heard, I, no, I, just, I thought I, I thought I heard you say if you do a boys to men song, and I'm getting better at that. So I thought that you were is practicing.
0: That's what I said. That is not oh, man, I understood. you.
1: I'm I, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I was, I was looking for
0: when is UCF karaoke? Time. That's what I want to know. Really?
1: See that? Look that you are. Look RWC karaoke night. Oh man, well we. You got yeah. the mic singing some songs. You got to make sure you got some good vocals in there. But you know, you know, you you can't get a good workout with somebody screeching. So you might uh, you might want to do something. I. I, you know, hey, I,
0: it I for me, is a release though, Doctor B. You know. Hey. I just, uh, I used to play tackle football, and that was really a huge release for me. And I used to always tell people I used to get to beat people up and not get in trouble for it, right? There you go. There you go. A big release for me. And and I feel like sometimes when I'm doing karaoke and I'm up there and my friends are out there and I see them, it's just kind of a, a, I'm in a different zone. I'm in a different. So, are you
1: under any influence or are you just straight out like are you walk into a karaoke bar and go up to the uh, or do you need to have something to help you move? Oh, see, you just said I don't
0: encourage. I
1: don't I will no encourage me. I'm just going to go. Up uh, song. I'm usually the first one to walk up all oh, the the guys
0: here, "All right, here's here are all my songs."
1: They're all of my songs. My my song is my way.
0: Which one by Usher?
1: Oh, please, no. By Frank Sinatra,
0: come on now. No. OK, go ahead, go ahead, Dr. B.
1: <laughs> I'm not doing nothing, no, no,
0: you made, no. You made me, what about I you? you. I,
1: I did not make you do a thing.
0: What about a little, about a little Louis Armstrong? I could make yeah, you I a little Louis Armstrong, a little wonderful <laughs> world up in there.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, that's a good one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> You thought you could get me to do it, didn't you? Yeah, come on, you, you got this. What's that, though? Um, so it's all good. It's all good.
0: <laughs> no, I, I appreciate you, Doctor B. So uh, I, I, I think part of the reason why I don't mind sharing things about about me and my story and just other things, I think it, it's what makes me a better facilitator. Okay. You know, it, it makes because every time, every time it never fails. Every time I walk into a room to facilitate, there's always the nerves. Right. I'm always in my head. I'm always thinking, oh, is is something I say going to stick while it always you know, I know a lot of people might think there's no <laughs> way get nervous before everything before every time. There's yeah. always that nervous energy for me in the very beginning. But for me, I tend to use it and channel it and I drop a joke in the very beginning and then when i see a little bit of laughter that that helps a little bit but i only it it helps because if i can share one or two tidbits about myself like i started in in aquatics when i got into campus rec and there's the big stereotype that black people can't swim right so I talk about that. I talk about the struggles and in, in that and the things that I went through and how I was in my head about that. And it sometimes it gets people to open up. So I think that that, that piece is really an, an important for me to be able to share those things. And I don't share those things to try to put myself on any kind of pedestal. It really is to make other people feel comfortable yeah. around me. Because you know, for some reason, for a really long time, diversity was a dirty word, privilege was a dirty word, privilege still people think of it as a this dirty, evil, evil kind of word. And it's not like that. And that's why my my, my facilitation style and things I say and how I say it are, are a little bit different. And I'm, I'm extremely comfortable doing that. And I'm okay with sharing those things. Because at the end of the day, even if their only nugget that they're walking out of my, my sessions with, the only nugget they walk away with, with is, wow, this lady's. This lady's funny, or she's relatable, or I wanna to talk to her, or I wanna go karaoke with her, right? You know, I... I, I
1: yeah, I we, figure figure go we, gotta, we gotta figure out some way to go and let me listen to you sing somewhere. That, uh, works. that so, works. <laughs> so I hear you, you're, you're one of the best um, swim instructors out there. Out oh, there.
0: man. Now what's, your,
1: what's your claim to fame there? How, how, how did you become such so, so, so gifted in that area?
0: Uh, because I didn't know how to swim until I was 24 years old. That that was the key for me, and uh-huh. it became a mission for me to want kids to learn how to swim. Okay. And my my sweet spot age is from four to seven. Dang, I, I, love I love the younger ones. Yeah, I don't like I don't like teaching adults, uh, uh, Doctor B. Do you know how to swim? What?
1: No, I can swim. I, adults,
0: are the, adults are the toughest to teach because they already have in their mind that they can't do it. So I know I was terrifying to teach for some of my students who taught me, but yeah, I, it, it's because you're already in your own head, right? Yeah. But for kids, they can kind of like go and yeah, they scream and that's okay. And, mm-hmm. you know, but some of my, cl- the people that I've been the closest to are my swim kids' parents because they, mm-hmm. they see this, this, you know, huge woman coming out there. Hey, and I'm, you know, just talking with the kids and I, I, I treat the kids like they're, not that parents don't treat kids like they're human beings and I do, you know, no, no singing of the alphabet to, to adults, but um, not that parents, I think, don't treat their their kids like humans, but I, I treat them like they're young adults, honestly, in the water, with the exception of a little wheels on the bus singing, you know, but you you've got to make them feel comfortable. It all goes back to the comfortability piece, right? Because if those kids are in the water with me and they're terrified, I have to do something to break down the barriers. And I tend to use humor. Um, I tend to use, and I use my sternness, right? Because you you want them to learn, but you want also want them to learn the safety yeah. aspects of it. So I think that that's a lot of the reason why the parents enjoy the way I teach the kids, because I add the sternness that they want. I add in the humor and the fun, and I also don't mind kids screaming in my face.
1: So let me ask you a question. Do you sometimes feel that when you use humor that you're um, also um, maybe, I don't know, sometimes you're using, people use humor, especially black folks, use humor to kind of cool the waters, so to speak, and help people kind of feel comfortable. Do, or do you feel like you use humor, um, just as you stated? I mean, there's there's so many different ways, right? Yeah,
0: I think yeah, I think there de- definitely are ways where where you can use the humor, and it's to really put up put up that wall and and to kind of make other people feel comfortable. And I do that, but I don't do it in the way of, oh yeah, I want to be the big jokester. I do it in the way of because what I'm saying. Is re- are real stories, you right. know. I can't, they're yeah. real stories. I'm sharing these real things. Right. And there's a
1: difference between being a minstrel, yes, and being funny. Yep,
0: yep. Yeah. And and I don't, I don't want to be a, a jester, right? I'm not out there, oh, trying to make it right. yeah. I'm not, I'm not being a jester, yeah. I'm, I'm using humor in a very intentional way.
1: There you to go
0: get people to relate
1: nice. together, yeah, you
0: know, and feel comfortable and brave to share.
1: Yeah. So swimming. Um, yeah. yeah. And you didn't learn till you was 24.
0: 24 years old.
1: And wow. They, they,
0: they shout out to uh, Daytona state, my, my, my friends over there. They, they, I got a job. I played basketball there and they ended up hiring me to oversee the lifeguards. And I didn't know how to swim and I had six months. To keep my job in six months, I had to learn how to swim and also get my lifeguard certification. Wow. Yeah. So, when, when people found out that I had my lifeguard and, and my lifeguard instructor certification, I mm-hmm. tell them, No, nah, they said, Oh, well, where did you swim? I said, Ah, I wasn't a swimmer. I was a lifesaver. That's two different things. Two
1: different
0: things. There you that go. Is two different things. I could swim enough for fitness and I could swim enough to get over there, and get down in the bottom and get that person out. But oh. I am not a swimmer. <laughs>
1: So, what they say: know your role, know your lane.
0: Yeah, oh, I know my role. I know my role, and I I enjoyed it. I, it got me here to UCF, you know. So, it was uh, it, it it served me well. I enjoy it, and I still to this day teach teach swim lessons.
1: Good, 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 good. That's excellent. That's really wonderful. Um, so, tell me a little bit about uh, the three boys and the three fur babies. Uh, I got I, I only reason I only reason why I'm asking is because I need to know which ones are the boys and which ones I, I, I'm only the one I can pick out as might be and let, it, could, it could be Nipsey. it could be Nippy but I think Nippy is a fur baby but it could be you
0: know, we got
1: we got Nipsey Russell um no
0: oh not even though. that is Nippy is named after Whitney Houston.
1: Uh, uh, that was
0: uh, Whitney Houston's nickname. So Nippy's name. I'm a massive Whitney Houston fan. Both my wife and I are. And my daughter is
1: actually a, a massive. She's nine years old and she's singing every single Whitney Houston song. I'm looking at her and I'm oh, like, wait, well, oh, not that verse, baby, not that verse. But you know, she
0: knows, she knows excellence when she hears. <laughs> right? Well, that's
1: because of my wife, but you know, <laughs> um, yeah,
0: it's our our obsession with Whitney Houston is a little unhealthy. I'm not gonna lie, but we uh. Yeah, that she's she's named after Whitney Houston, and um, Tony and Jackson are both our other two fur
1: babies. I figured the last three were probably the were the, so Jackson. What Jackson? The significance of Jackson? Because Jackson is J X J A X O N. Correct. Correct.
0: So, <laughs> I liked the name Denver for the dog, and then I think it was our oldest, Jalen, liked the name Jackson and. The consensus. I, I think we actually voted as a family uh, what his first name would be. So that Jackson actually is the only one of the two four babies that has a middle name. So his name's Jackson Denver Snead.
1: Oh consensus. wow! Look at y'all! Look at y'all! I
0: know we're we're a little special. In the heart.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't say that. You said that. I didn't say that. <laughs>
0: so it's okay, um, right.
1: I'm just messing with you. So, okay, so if Nippy is your is your go to. How come Nippy not one of your um, top songs?
0: Because I have too much respect for that woman. Woo-ha! I can't do it. I can't do it. I, do it. I still have never. Uh, maybe one. I have one time when, but that was when someone put it in for me, sang a Whitney song, and I didn't even sing the entire thing. It was just. It's she's such a a, a massive musical presence for me that I just I cannot. I can't. The only National Anthem I can really listen to and just really just get engulfed into is, is her version. No one has ever and will never sing the National Anthem the way she sang the National
1: Anthem.
0: Yeah, I live. Say again.
1: I said each day I live.
0: Oh, that's one moment in time. <laughs> no, look. I already know everything. Don't, you can't stump me, Dr. B. I'm not trying to stump I'm going to see if
1: you're going to continue it. I was going to try to get you to continue Uh-oh.
0: No, no. I, I was just saying that last night. Huh? I was just singing uh, One Moment in Time last night.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's funny. We listened to it yesterday, too, because we were traveling. And then uh, yeah. that song came on. Um, my, the Olympics. My, daughter loves,
0: the Olympics. my daughter,
1: again, I'm going to say it, she's nine years old, and she likes Heartbreak Hotel. Ooh. I know. She <laughs> I mean, more than just that one, but that one, that's like, you know, she She be like, can you put Heartbreak Hotel on? And she'll be, be jamming. I mean, I'd be like looking like, uh funny,
0: funny story about Heartbreak Hotel. I'm pretty sure that's the one with Kelly Price and, and Mary Jane, I believe, right? I think so, yeah. So they filmed that video down south, and I was trying so hard. To find out where they were I tell I was obsessed. It was not good because <laughs> from down there, and I was trying to find, opalaka Airport hangar, I believe, is where they felt. See, look, you're <laughs> some. I know somebody gonna <laughs> listen to us and think, Ooh, Andrea, what's
1: yeah, listen? You know, there's something about music, mm. and when it's done right, I don't care if it's rock, if it's um, R&B, reggae, you know, house music, um, even rap. Um, I don't care what the music or well, genre is, if it's done right.
0: Yeah.
1: It really can move your soul. So, it's
0: um, ti- And it's timeless. it's
1: timeless. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Well, definitely. <laughs> well, I appreciate having you here today. Um, this hour has kind of flown by. Um, I knew that it would um, because of just that bio. I mean, it took me about 40 minutes to read the bio. Oh,
0: man, here we go. <laughs> I appreciate you, Dr. B. Thank you very much. I appreciate baby.
1: you. And um, we'll have you back again. Um, maybe what we'll do is we'll have a karaoke hour.
0: I'm there. You tell me You're when. You.
1: We'll do that. You we,
0: tell me when and where.
1: I, I, I we'll have to set that up. I'm talking about, about the podcast, though. You know,
0: that's fine. I'm good. All right, all right, all right, you know, see, all <laughs> see,
1: I know somebody got skills when they sit there and say, "Okay." No, you know.
0: no, it's right. not like that. Really no, on. no, it's not like that. It's just I just enjoy it. You know, yeah, people happen good. to enjoy it too.
1: Then that's yeah, 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 As long as you got your breathing, you're breathing right. I'm good. You know, <laughs> something like that. Something <laughs> like. That. <laughs> So, oh, so, no, no, no. Um, thank you again. And um, it's, I, I really appreciate it uh, that you're coming and you talk and you share your heart. Um, it's it's doubly special because of the month that's we're in, but I would have talked with you any time. And, and, and I do know that, you know, we, we are gearing this month towards um, Pride Month, but the truth of the matter is, i'm proud of you
0: thank
1: you doctor. all the things that you've done the things that you're planning on doing um and i'm actually excited to kind of hear you sing and so i Uh keep keep going back to the karaoke now it's hard not to it's hard not to to. there you go so um so thank you uh we are on wednesday here and uh, we got another show coming up on friday please check us out and uh and until then uh, have a great rest of the day
0: love soul, right?
1: Peace, love and soul right he's loving oh
0: peace love. Soul! Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right so this friday we're going to be talking about juneteenth and so it's our juneteenth episode and um We're going to speak a little Juneteenth into Pride Month, but, you know, we're proud of Juneteenth as well. So um, anyway, Andrea Sneed.
0: Thanks for listening to our show. This has been Matters of Diversity with Dr. B.